Why, hello there. Welcome back to the podcast. This is Jonathan Edwards with pureandsimplebible.com. Thank you for coming back. This is the second part in a mini-series called Letting Go of Past Mistakes with Brother Justin Owen. And if you didn't listen to part one, then I'm going to encourage you to go back and listen to that before you listen to this one. I think it's going to be really important. I also want you to know that, yes, I understand it might sound a little different right now. I'm in a hotel holding a gospel meeting and using my time to catch up on some podcast stuff. So I'm recording on my laptop and it sounds a little off, but hopefully I'll be recording future episodes from my studio. Let's jump back into this conversation and understand more of what the Bible teaches and what we can be encouraged by in order to let go of our past mistakes when we struggle with guilt and shame. What I'm going to try to make a connection with to what you just said in Psalm is that it seems like the Psalms are an expression of the Hebrew culture to God and, and David's expression of his emotions to God. But, you know, you're saying the Hebrew children are learning this, uh, and I think they needed to know this because they're, they also had a problem with murmuring in the past. And they paid, that's, it's written, you know, their, their forefathers paid the price for murmuring and mocking. And so here they are being reminded that how easy it is to fall into that. And here we are thousands of years later, how easy it is for us to fall into it. But Psalm 1 is to not go that way, but to stand with the righteous and delight in the law. Yeah, and it, it, I do think <laughs> there's a fine line that uh, we just we need to be aware that you can go from, you know, fun teasing with your friends to being a company of mockers. But just be aware, you, you know, if you're if you're strong enough to be able to know when you've crossed a line, good. There's another alternative too. You can just if it's going that direction, you can stay out of it or you can right. say, "Hey, that that might not be the best right. approach." And it, it's hard because I get it like <laughs> Guys, when you get a bunch of guys together uh, with girls, uh, it might be a little different. I don't know. But sure. when you get a bunch of guys together ragging on each other a little bit, it, it's acceptable. Uh, it can build, build camaraderie to a degree. But, man, how many times have I been in that that little circle where it has crossed the line? I'm like, ouch, you know, that, right. that wasn't great. <laughs> yeah. That wasn't a great reminder of what I did. Mm-hmm. So. Jonathan, uh, finding that line, I think it's going to be different for every person too. So, uh, is the, is the right conclusion just to avoid those things altogether is the right conclusion to allow a little bit of banter, but make sure, you know, in a private conversation with somebody you haven't crossed any lines, right? What do you do? Well, I mean, I'm trying to remember back to being younger where maybe when we were younger, we weren't as good at hiding, uh, our sin you know we kind of wore it on our sleeves sometimes and I do remember that uh, walking away was sometimes the only thing I could do to I, I didn't have control of the conversation maybe the kids were older than me or maybe there was too many or maybe I didn't know them well and I it felt weird to so maybe walking away was you know I, I'm not as the scripture says I don't want to keep company with mockers so I'm just gonna physically walk away and I mean, I've had other times where one of us would say, hey, let's talk about something else, you know, 
maybe that sounds very simple, but sure. something to turn the steering wheel of the conversation. Well, uh, I'm glad that you referenced something from your youth because, you know, as an adult, uh, as a preacher, um, sometimes I haven't felt, you know, like I have the right to say anything when I'm standing there with a bunch of older preachers and the uh, conversation turns to, it's sure. like, well, I think I need to find another conversation somewhere. And that's, again, that's no uh, judgment against those men. It's just, we all make mistakes. And if if I'm not um, if I'm not comfortable with the situation, if I feel like if it's going a different direction, and I don't feel confident enough or comfortable enough to speak up to these men, maybe I don't have enough in the account or whatever. Right. right. Or they're older, you know, much older than sure. I am. Walking away, it, it's the right thing to do in a lot of these situations, I guess. I I, I still think though that uh, if you're gonna have banter with your fellow brothers, which you know, telling people you can't have banter. I, I think people are going to feel handcuffed. Sure. <laughs> you can't, Oh, we can't, we can't have this relationship anymore where we tease each other a little bit. <laughs> it's going to be up to you at the end of the day. But I, I do think if you're going to have that interaction with people, you need to take them off to the side and say, Hey, I want to make sure I'm not hitting on any sensitive spots here. Right. right. That, okay. That's exercise in wisdom at least. Well, I think that's probably a healthier response than simply walking away and avoiding which I'm an avoider by nature, so it's easy for me to say, uh, there's no problem here, I will walk away, and the problem is gone. But yes, I would just validate that I think taking someone off to the side and building them up and inquiring about it is going to be a healthier in the long run than, than avoiding it. You have a question, and we're kind of talking about it already, uh, the, the question is, what's the plan to combat these things, which these things being the company of mockers, et cetera. And so we've just been talking about making sure that our banter uh, doesn't go too far. If it does, having conversations. Um, but you also in your notes answer the question of, of a plan to combat these things with some scriptures. You bring up 1 John 1, 9, and then you bring up 1 John 4, 20. What do you want to accomplish with those verses? First John 1 John 1.9 uh, is recognizing the fact that God indeed has forgiven you. So when you recognize God has forgiven you, it is uh, at least uh, some mental gymnastics we can, we can do within our own thought process to say, okay, if God has forgiven me, then I can forgive me too. And there's an exercise actually that I, I took the, the kids through that I would love to take our audience through if you don't mind. Is, is oh, that okay? Sure. So if everybody could just take a moment and think of your most embarrassing moment in time that, that exists. I got it. <laughs> it's quicker <laughs> for some of us. <laughs> uh, it might be your most sinful moment. Uh, it may just be that it's your most embarrassing moment. Sure. Whatever it is, uh, we have shame over certain things, whether it's sin or whether it's just uh, a blunder. But one thing that I, I told the group there is first recognize uh, I, w I was speaking to young people. I was speaking to people that were, most of them were, you know, younger than 16 years old. Right. So I, I wanted to let them know they're young. They're pretty innocent. And whatever it is that you're thinking of, you, you know, you, you've got to take lumps sometimes to right. learn and be able to grow. So give yourself some grace. Uh, I asked the question, though, are you sorry for that moment? 
Are you repentant of that moment? Have you asked God's forgiveness if it was a sin for that moment? If you answered yes to all those things, then I just want you to say to your younger self, I forgive you. Mm-hmm. I forgive you. You know, when we learn to forgive ourselves of our shortcomings, our shortcomings, uh, then we can, I think, be the people that God sees. Yeah. Uh, a lot of times we have our shortcomings, we sin, and we, we carry that like a backpack. And we've asked forgiveness for our sin. We've changed our way, but we're still carrying it around like, you know, it, it's who we are. It's part of our character. Right. But God doesn't see us that way. Right. Once we've asked forgiveness, uh, Christ's blood has covered our sins when we obey the gospel. So, you know, uh, if we've repented and changed our way, we can put the backpack down. We don't need it. <laughs> mm, I love that. I uh, I just read, is it Stephen Chapman? Steve Chapman, who did Five Love Languages. Is that his name? Steve Chapman? I don't remember the author, but I love well, the book. <laughs> Five Love Languages guy. He also wrote. Gary, I think. Gary, you're right. Gary yeah. Chapman. Um, he wrote a book called The Five Apology Languages. And so it's the same concept that, that we, when we've wronged someone, there's a way that we want to make things right, but there's also a way that they want to make things right. And so my, the way I apologize to you, what if it's my, that, the, the phrase, hey, I'm sorry for what I did. But what if your apology language is uh, restitution, like I, I need to try to make something right that I've broken. So in our, in our apology, I, I thought I was good because I told you I'm sorry and you are still going you haven't made it right and so we walk away from each other thinking two very different things now I'm I'm upset that, that you haven't forgiven me and I'm calling you cold and hard-hearted and you're still wounded anyway the point of that the book and I, what I think in this connection um, that you've made about forgiving self uh, he brings up a story of a young man who was 19 who uh, a year previously had committed some pretty egregious sins, came clean, started over in his life, asked forgiveness of everyone, but he was still very depressed, was going to see a, a, a clinical psychologist. And after about a year's worth of work, the psychologist said, did you ever forgive yourself? And the guy was like, uh, I, I don't think so. And he says, okay, there's a mirror. I want you to stand in front of it, and I need you just to say to your past self, I forgive you. And he said, you know, in the book, obviously it's written in language that's you know, powerful. I'm not going to be able to communicate it as well, but that, that the guy stood in front of the mirror and couldn't even say it. He started crying. And then after his tears said, you know, I forgive you. And uh, he, he didn't have, at least according to the book, very many more sessions because that, was, that had been the missing piece all along was that he had taken it on his identity. And even though he sought restitution from all those he had wronged, this uh, thought process, his identity was, the I am of the entire first fill in the blank section center. of, and instead of saying, I'm a person who, who has done study about, this you sin know, we, no we longer. don't forgive ourselves. Anyway, oftentimes when story. we commit sins or when we do things that we're embarrassed about and just being able to, share that information with whoever's listening right now. I think it's a wonderful thing because I, I have not read uh, the five apologies. I, I'm going to go read that now. <laughs> okay. I'm going to go read that now because I, I, I'd like to understand that better. But all that said, I, I feel like um, 
that story does kind of encompass the entire first section of uh-huh. it's what called, I think the book's my called study when was sorry about. Is not we've enough. got to learn that if you God should. sees us as forgiven, if we've done what we need to do to make uh, to make things right, then we need to see ourselves like God sees us. Mm-hmm. It's hard to do, but mm-hmm. we need to get there. about forgiving others in John 4 verse 20 21 I'll read it for you um, because that's the plan to combat sitting in the company of mockers and uh, standing in the way of the wicked first was to forgive yourself and second was to forgive others so I'm going to read it and then you can share a thought first uh, John 4:20 whoever claims to love God and yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. Yeah, for whoever does not verse. love their brother or sister and, whom they you know, have seen the ability to forgive cannot love God uh, whom they have not something seen something I think he we all need given us practice this on <laughs> anyone who loves God uh, must also people hurt us and it's really hard to forgive people especially when there's been no apology made uh, you know if there's an apology made uh, for some folks it's still hard but it's easier uh, all that said oh, sure. having this practice is clearly what God expects of us and that's really that's a really challenging mm-hmm. thing, but God makes a good point. He He doesn't just ask uh, and give the command, you know. He He says if <laughs> if you won't forgive those who you see, you know, if you can't love your brother who you see, how are you going to love one you cannot? And that's unacceptable, and it's a good defense. I I think it's reasonable. If you can go to your brother or sister, whoever has wronged you, and you can talk to them about those things right. openly, open communication, it's not right. It's not a practice thing today. It's not a common thing today. But if we did it more often, we would get more comfortable with it and realize it's not as scary as it seems. Uh, and I think this all goes back to the same idea and the same concept that we mentioned at the beginning. We we like being liked. We like being loved. We don't want to be mm-hmm. rejected by mm-hmm. our peers, by our brothers and sisters. So we just, we bury things, we hide things, we refuse to, you know, address things. But if we had better communication with one another, I think a lot of things would be resolved easier than what we imagine. <laughs> You know, I mean, I got so many thoughts, uh, but as we're wrapping up the study and, and what you just said, uh, it makes me think of another book by a doctor, and it's an odd name, Mylon Yurgovich, <laughs> something like that. And he's a, a psychologist who is also a believer. And so his book is called How We Love and ex- expressing the, the different uh, attachment styles of how we love one another. And the, the one that sticks out to me, and it's because I'm selfish and, you know, think of only me, uh, is about people who are avoiders by nature and that they're, they're insecure with these healthy forms of communication because they're afraid uh, of how easy a relationship might fall apart. And so let's just not even bring it up and kind of keep what we've got. One of the things that he said in his book, and I'll share a scripture that I think um, uh, goes along with it a bit, is that 
to avoid those sorts of interaction is actually lying because you're trying to say it's all good and it's not all good. And so love doesn't rejoice in iniquity. It rejoices in the truth, as 1 Corinthians 13 says. And so I know that an avoider, such as myself, we're not necessarily rejoicing uh, in evil, but the, the, the inference is if there are things that are holding back fellowship and uh, true relationship because you would rather avoid a difficult conversation, well, are you really lying to yourself and, instead of uh, resolving the issue? Now, somebody out there may be like, swerving on the road as they're driving thinking about how Jonathan's just called them a liar that wasn't my intention the idea simply was uh, like the treasure in the field or the pearl of great price where we, we sell everything we get rid of everything to get the kingdom of heaven part of the kingdom of heaven has to be um, relationships that want what's best for each other and when we're wronged we want to let people know we've been wronged not for the sake of uh, hateful justice, but for the sake of righteous renewal and, and restoration. Well, I'm uh, I'm not quite the avoider that uh, you you profess to be, or that I used to be myself. Uh, but I have been a pleaser. Like that's all one of my them. Life. That's one of the the yeah. how we love. <laughs> yeah. And it's not a healthy thing. I recognize that now. You know, I, I've uh, I've been in therapy for probably about eight months, working through a lot of my own personal demons, and uh, I, I feel like it's been some of the best time spent uh, in life. You know, working on self is something. I think as preachers, you know, we <laughs> we're busy. We right. attend to other people's needs. We don't take time to work on ourselves. But uh, for anybody out there listening, that. Uh, is thinking or considering going to see a Christian counselor, I'd highly encourage it. It's It's been uh, something that has made a great change in me. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a preacher who is a people pleaser, I couldn't do my job. Right. You know, I, I wanted everybody to be my friend, uh, and I would force myself sometimes when it was absolutely necessary to do the thing that which I hate. <laughs> But recognizing that what true love is, uh, it demands that you sometimes have to have hard conversations with people. Uh, It's been a very awakening experience. So I appreciate uh, what you said about uh, about that book and about about love in general. Uh, Heaven is going to be a sweet place and we want as many of our brothers and sisters to be there with us as possible. And I think the way to help that best happen is by having good communication with each other whether we like having conflict or not doesn't matter whether we uh, like don't like the thought of somebody accepting us or being our friend you know it 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 doesn't matter what matters is making sure that you know we we can speak to each other in a way that's respectful and kind and and loving that helps build one another up like the scriptures teach amen amen well, as the proverb says, faithful are the wounds of a friend, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Um, there's times when you got to have a hard conversation. As a therapist, I tell my patients, the injuries that we cause each other, uh, they run real deep. Like the gashes on the heart are super deep. And superficial apologies, superficial um, restorings of relationship is like a Band-Aid. 
and a Band-Aid on a gash, it might close off the bleeding, but it doesn't clean it out and it will fester and get worse. And therapy oftentimes is the ripping off of Band-Aids. And so you're going to hurt some more before you heal, but you'll the, the cleansing of what is rotten and the restoring of, there may be a scar, but that scar is a lot better than having an open wound held together by a piece of tape. Amen to that. <laughs> so, well, uh, this has been, to me, very enjoyable. I hope that the audience uh, has enjoyed it as well. They're going to get some sounds of the great outdoors and some wind and some kids running by. We're at a you know, family camp, and so there's uh, some of the sounds of family camp going on in the background. But uh, thank you, brother, for joining me and sharing scriptures, some vulnerability, and, and I think helping mend our culture, the church's culture, to be more in line with what the scriptures teach when it says, confess your faults one unto another. You know, prayers of a righteous man availeth much. That's a command as much as anything. So, Yes, sir, and thank you very much for having me. I appreciate the time uh, that you invest into this program and happy to be a part of it. Well, I wish to sincerely say thank you to Justin for spending some time with me. We were at a family camp uh, several months ago, actually, when we recorded this, and that means he took time out of his time at camp and enjoying some relaxation and maybe some alone time to sit with me and record this. So thank you, Justin. I appreciate it, and I appreciate your friendship. I am grateful for you. And you, dear listener, I'm also thankful for. I'm grateful that you uh, listen to this podcast it's been a little while since I've been consistent. Life is happening in many ways, uh, but I'm hopeful that this podcast will continue to go strong and that I'll have more conversations to share with you in the future. I love having Bible discourse, and I think this is a way that we can share the Word with others and we can communicate with others the truths of the Scriptures. So I want to, again, encourage you, if you haven't already, leave a five-star review for this podcast on whatever platform you watch it or rather listen to it on because I think that the algorithms work in a way where those that are more reviewed and uh, receive high reviews are going to be suggested to other people who are listening and looking for similar content. So if you haven't already, please go to whatever platform you use and leave a five-star review. And if you don't want to leave a five-star review for some reason, please send me an email and let me know why and there's something I can do to make it a better program. So with that encouragement done, I wish to tell you to always remember that God loves you very much. And I do too. Lord willing, see you soon. Well, I'm here to tell you a story, a story that is true, about a judge by the name of Gideon. He was a man like me and you.